0: Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. This is
1: Mike Edison, host of Art Senses and Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradio.network.org for thousands more.
2: Welcome to Fun About It on heritageradionetwork.org.
0: I'm Mary Izette.
2: And I'm Chris Kuzmi.
0: And we're your co-hosts of this weekly journey through all things fermenting.
2: Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on heritageradionetwork.org.
0: Woohoo! So this yeah, is our 110th episode. 110. Okay, so we have a few, a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, the big announcement is that I wrote a book last year. What? And it is now... You think Weird. you're so
2: smart just because you can read. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's called Speed Brewing. It's techniques and recipes for fast-fermenting beers, ciders, meads, and more. So that's what occupied a lot of my time last year. Um, so it is being published by Voyager Press on June 1st. You can pre-order it now if you so would like to do that. Um, anyway, more coming soon, but I did want to announce it. I had a lot of fun. Um, developing recipes and experimenting with techniques and all kinds of stuff, and I'm continuing to do so, so we're going to talk about, we'll kind of talk about, um, I, I, well, basically I have a little more time now that, that the book is done, to just do some fun free-for-all fermentations. Um, so I, I'm i launching a new series in the in the Cousette household. What is that
2: new series, Mary? <laughs>
0: Will it ferment?
2: Will it ferment? And <laughs> yeah. what is today's project, the one we were looking at earlier?
0: Uh, so I, I got some juice, some kind of mixed juice from Trader Joe's. So basically, I'm going to go along my favorite grocery store um, shelves, uh, particularly looking for interesting international s- ingredients that I mm-hmm. haven't used so much, and other things. And we'll see if they ferment and how well they do so.
2: Key key thing is preservative free, right?
0: Yeah. Although I think citric acid will will be will work. I mean, you can use like uh, things with with citric acid will ferment. Depends on how much.
2: I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> With, I mean with yeast nutrient and all that things yes exactly. but to, to this what regard type of yeast? To, to, to these things but anyway we'll be talking
0: quick. more about seasonal fermentation seasonal beverages and other kinds of experimentations on the show in the months to come
2: but what about right now I want to talk about it now this weekend you poured something really awesome uh, oh, yeah. at yeah see? all
0: right so <laughs> you know, so we did get an I did get an opportunity to pour either recipes directly from the book or, or some recipes that were based on Um, things that I played with in the book. So last Sunday at Brunity, which I think we already mentioned, right? Last Monday? Maybe not. Anyway, we did uh, all the homebrew clubs of New York City and New Jersey came together and poured some absolutely amazing um, homebrews, all for charity.
2: Actually, we did not mention it because we pre-taped last week. So, yeah, we raised $5,238 for City Harvest uh, in this one event alone. It was pretty awesome. We got all the New York City homebrewers uh, together and New Jersey uh, uh, under one roof and uh, for a good cause we had a band the home musicians and the set actually went better than expected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
2: yes. highly entertaining totally fun
0: there is video out there if you're interested but the
2: time was delicious and the thing the reason we're remembering this now is because you served a uh, jasmine green tea
0: yep i for, uh i fermented jasmine green tea recipe which is in the book and that was received really really well that keg actually kicked actually both my kegs kicked they're only three gallon kegs so pretty easy to kick those um and i fermented a mixed berry white peppercorn from cambodia shortmead and that also was very well received um, and then on sat- this past Saturday, as also Chris and I have had a crazy beer week between <laughs> our our new Cousette Libations, um, our first Gypsy Brewing release, Cousette Grisette, as well as all of our homebrewing adventures. Uh, so on Saturday at Arrogant Swine, which is an absolutely amazing barbecue joint in uh, Bushwick owned by Tyson Ho, Josh Bernstein, who's a fabulous writer, um, and Chris put on a...
2: Sausage and beer fest. Yeah, called, called Winter's, Winter's Grind. Grind. About uh sixteen uh, professional brews and, and then also alongside about uh nine home brews. Um actually no, sorry, eleven homebrews. Um and among them was Mary's uh Sammy, uh Elvis Sammy. Explain what that is, and Peanut how you butter did that.
0: bacon and banana shortmead.
2: Which is freaking delicious. It I know, really well. and
0: I was nervous, but we'll talk about how I made that actually. We're not gonna do that tonight. We'll do that in is a Is there any come. here tonight? There's not, man. We kicked the keg, You're and then I me. did You're a fermented me. coconut lemongrass green tea, which also we kicked. So it's good though. To you know, I mean, again, two three, three gallon three gallon kegs are easy to kick, but still, it was great. Anyway, we had a lot of fun at that. It was, it's been super fun to just be able to experiment with things like an Elvis sandwich short mead, and not, you know, without any any other reason than. I, just to experiment and and, uh, make something good to drink. So I have two more announcements. These are both coming up the weekend. If you're in New York City or anywhere around New York City or you're visiting New York City, the weekend of March 21st and 22nd, there are two amazing events going on. First is uh, at Three's Brewing. That's one of our newest brewery restaurants in Gowanus, Brooklyn. They're having a Saison Day in collaboration with Allagash Brewing Company. I'm actually making – they're going to have a Saison homebrew contest, and I am making one of their Saisons. I'm going to actually make two three-gallon experimental batches. And then the next day on Sunday from 4 to 8 p.m. is the annual Ferment Ferment Festival, and that's put on by Zachary Schulman. He's actually going to be on our show the Monday before that. Um, And I will also be teaching a a free workshop. There's some awesome free workshops. So far there are four – Nukazuki, which is Japanese rice brand pickles, from Michaela Hayes, who we've had on the show before. Wild vegetable fermentation with Tara Witsit, founder of Fermentation on Wheels, whom we also had on the show. Um, international breads: how to make idlies and doses with Cheryl Passwater, mm-hmm. and then I'm teaching sassy shortmeads. Um, as well so there's a free four free workshops it's also a wonderful place to try a bunch of ferments bring out some of your experimental events and it's amazing so it's going to be at the brooklyn free school we'll have more information about that and tune in on whatever that monday is before monday
2: 22nd. i don't have that that number for you
0: it's got to be 22 minus nine that's <laughs> going to be the 13th um so we'll have zach Schulman on uh. the third is that right <laughs> yeah, come on, the 13th. It's the 14th. Is it 14th? No, no it's the 13th. Yeah, you were. Whatever. Math, I need my beer. phone, man. I can't even. Yeah. Okay, on, on, on to better, on <laughs> no, wait, to bigger not. and better things. So let's talk about what happened this past week. New York City Beer Week.
2: New York City Beer Week, um, an incredible 10 days of celebrating uh, the life and culture of, of beer happenings, brewing, uh, all things. Related in New York City, and one of the most exciting things to have happened. uh, This is the first year of the Rupert's Cup. Jacob Rupert was uh, was uh, a colonel in the (laughs) in the army, in the regiment. He was uh, he was a brewer. Uh, He he was a a New York City publican. Uh, He owned the New York Yankees for a while, and actually, under his tenure, he actually signed the the Babe Ruth onto the team. Um, And we started the Rupert's Cup this year, uh, which. All the participating breweries had to get somebody to vote for them, uh, and each vote cost $5, and all of that money also went to City Harvest, which is one of our favorite local charities. The people to win that award were our friends from Big Alice, which we have in the studio here today. Kyle Hurst, and John
3: Clay.
2: Guilty, guilty, guilty guilty until proven innocent, he says. He's been
1: called worse (laughs) by me earlier today, probably.
2: So you may remember Big Alice from one of our previous shows uh, uh, last year. We had Robbie on, uh, who's a former brewer. um, But a lot of changes have gone on, um, and we're really excited about the progress. But we haven't had
1: Kyle in the studio uh, yet. Or John. Uh, Or John either.
0: So Kyle, how'd you get started in this whole Craft brewing business.
1: So I started as a home brewer uh, in the Midwest in uh, Wisconsin, uh, which you know the story likes to tell is you know Wisconsin obviously is a big beer state. You know people can crush beers all day there, but uh, it, it wasn't, or at least not until you know, very recently, a, a very big craft beer state. So I spent my relative youth uh we'll leave the actual ages undisclosed (laughs) but uh drinking a lot of you know really you know indistinct beers and uh i was actually introduced to beers by by a fellow home brewer friend uh, friend of mine and that first beer i had uh like i said i like to tell people the story of the the movie pleasantville where everything's black and white until you uh you know start having you know relations (laughs) relations let's say. <laughs> and uh so that that was beer for me i had this first homebrew and uh tasted it. it was like wow you know everything was suddenly in color and it was uh really you know kind of uh you know a, a epiphany for me and uh the next opportunity the uh, next holiday to come up was father's day and my wife bought me my first homebrew kit for father's day that year which was late 90s probably 98 i'm guessing so, so fast forward. So fast forward. Uh, I moved to New York in 2007. Start home brewing, uh, you know, with with uh, with Robbie, and you know, we uh, entered a couple competitions. Thought it'd be a great idea. After uh, winning People's Choice Award at an event or two, that uh, we should open a brewery. So we did, and uh, you know, went down that path for about a year and a half together, and uh, we made some really, you know, big beers. We were all about uh, you know, making really interesting you know kind of one-offs we did 141 different beers on our old system before uh, and the old system was how big uh, 10 gallons it was a half barrel system so they were actually kegs (laughs) so the capacity was 15 and a half you know you you obviously lose a lot of that so we yielded about 10 gallons per batch and we bottled everything in 750s and pre-sold them like a CSA we were a CSB and uh, most people pre-bought our beers uh, six months in advance and we were only open two and a half hours a week and uh, we're selling out everything we made
0: and so we're going to take a break from that, from the past to the future, and introduce John. So John, tell us, what is your background? How'd you get into brewing?
3: So uh, so I grew up in Pennsylvania, and uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, moved up to Boston right out of high school, kind of really fell in love with the brewing scene up there, craft beer, uh, ended up trying to force my way into a brewery somehow, and kind of no luck with that, moved back down to New York, and uh, met a brewer. From my brewery upstate who told me uh the best way is just to kind of find somewhere you can apprentice just work for free get as much experience as you can so uh, i made a list of every single brewery in new york city that i could reached out to everyone and uh big Alice was one of the ones that got back to me and uh did about 10 months with them just cleaning fermenters and whatever else they needed me to do and kind of that's how i got my start
1: John's a machine. He's, he's, you know, didn't matter what I sat down next to him. He, you know, spit it out clean Attack and uh, matter <laughs> it matter of time. really, really good uh, hard work. We were really lucky to have him.
0: So now we're present day. When did you put, what kind of system did you get and when did you guys get it in?
1: All right. So we um, expanded to a five barrel brew house. Uh, actually, it was a brew pub system from Stamford, Connecticut. We found a, Uh, local brew pub up there that was not renewing their lease they had multiple locations so they weren't going out of business just uh, not renewing their lease at that location um i I don't know the full details but i think they were calling a landlord's bluff because they waited to the last possible minute to sell this and uh you know we were in a position you know ready to buy most people when they're looking to buy you know new equipment are planning out you know six months to a year down the road and uh we were kind of the right buyer, right time, that uh, we were able to come in. Uh, they needed it out by the end of the month, and we were in a position to be ready to buy and, and you know, receive it right away, too. So um, beautiful system. It's copper. You know, it's, it's a brew pub, so it's, it's meant yeah. as a showpiece. And our space is so small that when you come to our tap room, uh, when we get really busy, we actually overflow into our uh, brewery space. So you actually can, you know, hang out amongst the copper and... Uh, uh, you know, kind of watch everything that's going. On. It's all you're not in. You, know, you, you, you you can't open or close any valves or right, do hey, hey, anything yeah. too crazy. But right. uh, yeah, we we do have uh, you know kind of an open, inviting. Uh, you know, where there's a bunch of glass, you can see all of the uh, the shiny. Fermenters and shiny copper, which is uh, it, really it is
2: separated, but it's separated by the the required wall. Yes, yes. there is <laughs> plenty for, of for TTV, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm sure they're monitoring this. um uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, right. <really> yeah. <laughs>
0: um
2: That is that is an awesome system, and it's, it's such a small space. It's a, it's a crazy small space that you have over there, and and it's not even that much bigger than your or as far as like footprint. The brew house is not that much bigger than than your former system.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, we you know did a lot of you know calculations to figure out just how big we could get within the space we we're in we'd only built out that space a year and a half earlier and uh, we originally had our eye on some additional space you know adjacent to where we were and you know the uh, thought of you know building out a new space only have, uh, having built out another space so, so recently, was uh, you know both cost prohibitive and right. uh, just not something we were prepared to do at this point.
3: But the
2: other thing that that this has done, and the great change uh, that has happened with, is that came with several bright tanks, right? Serving yes. tanks, and so that you.
1: Right. So in the past, you know, uh, you know, John can relate. He he helped do a lot of the bottling when he was still interning for us. Uh, we bottled everything. So every individual uh, you know, bottle was individually packaged. We, we cleaned the bottles individually. We labeled them individually. We hand corked. And, and hand corked most,
0: and tied them. And yeah.
1: most of all, That's right, crazy. we tied champagne knots. There's, there's a handful of people in the world that can, uh, I think, tie a champagne knot, and uh, most of them are related to uh, Big Alice in some way. But, uh, yeah, it was you know terribly labor-intensive. The... The huge advantage to us when we expanded to this uh, system is, you know, brew pubs don't serve from kegs. They serve from, from bright tanks. So we were able to, lucky. Take, to take right, uh, <laughs> yeah. to take full batches of beer, uh, and we uh, you know, took on just a small additional space uh, you know, to uh, you know, house these, and then we can transfer the beer, the finished beer, carbonate it in there, and then uh, right into our tap system in our... Uh, in our tap room so it's where we went from packaging you know 750 milliliters at a time to uh you know 155 gallons at a time it was uh you know uh, significantly less labor intensive
2: so you have more beer and uh, more capacity to to be able to now sell not just as part of the csb so you're now kegging
1: uh, yeah and um uh, that's the good and the bad of it you know the uh the csb is is really kind of at the root or you know, the heart of where we got our start and and uh, it wasn't, you know, without the support of those people, we went on. We were, you know, able to partner with a, a few of the local CSBs, and and you know, we ran our own, and, and it was kind of a great way to connect with the community because we were so small. So it was a great way to do that. But uh, now that we're not doing bottles anymore, we can't run it the same way. But we have adapted it now to include um, growler fills. So You can come in uh, once a month, fill a couple of growlers, you get uh, discounts on our merchandise, and. We are now doing some um, barrel-aged beers. We're going to be releasing in the next month or so, and our CSB members will get first crack at those a week before they become available to the public. So it still has its advantages. It's not uh, quite as cool as it was in the past, but still pretty cool. Oh, no, it's still pretty cool.
2: With that, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about what kind of things you're brewing. Cheers,
1: Cheers. familiars.
2: This is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Welcome back to From Annabelle on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are here in the studio with our friends from Big Alice Brewing Company, Kyle Hurst and, and John Kilty, QLG. who is also of the Brood Abides. And we are sipping on a really, really delicious beer, Queen's Honey Brown. Tell us a little bit about Queen's Honey Brown
1: so the queen's honey brown is uh not our newest beer but our newest recipe um it was inspired by a trip uh i took with my wife so uh not unlike the two of you uh, we're often inspired uh, to brew by uh, things we do together and um i'd gone to madison wisconsin and toured five breweries uh, in an afternoon we got a hotel and spent the night so uh, no concerns
0: about (laughs) about that but um every
1: one of them had a really good brown ale and, and yeah, you know, Brown Ales is one of our is one of the first beers that that got me you Dear know I- uh, I- yeah right You know, we were all winding down um,
3: <laughs> the, you know that got me
1: into and, and excited about beer and, and you know it's an easy transitional beer for somebody uh, you know who's you know not necessarily into you know the wild extremes that you know IPAs and barley wines and some of the things can bring to you so um, we had gotten um, a bunch of uh, honey from Will Apiary in, in Queens who harvests uh, honey kind of throughout the state, but also uh, locally. And, and this uh, beer specifically had um, honey from five different Queens rooftop hives. So we knew we had this really cool uh, local honey that we wanted to make a beer with. We had other plans for it, but, you know, after going out and having these browns, I hadn't drank a brown, much less brewed a brown, in a long time. And It was, it was like, like an old friend. It was like, welcome back. You know, it's, it's good, good to see you again. And uh, came back, and, you know, John and I uh, got together. like, you know, we're going to come up with something you know, a, a brown ale that kind of features this this local honey and, and that's that's what we're drinking now.
0: Awesome. How'd you guys use the honey?
1: Um, so we actually add the honey at Flame Up so it's kind of compromised between uh, doing it at the beginning you get a bunch of fermentable uh, sugars out of it and, uh, you know, adding it post-fermentation where you just get a bunch of honey flavors so we tried to, uh, you know, find that compromise and, and get a little bit of both. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think you do get a, you know, a nice, you know, honey flavor without, uh, you know, you know, keeping it pretty low in alcohol. This one's I think about five and a half percent. Yeah.
2: that's yeah, awesome. Beautiful. And it adds that. Name. This is me sipping bread. This, this is how I sip beer. If you ever wanted to hear it. it
0: so let's talk about using, <laughs> and I did and yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about using local ingredients. So, um, we did this did come up I think on last week's show, but as part of New York City Beer Week, uh, yeah. s- a lot of the breweries that participated created a, a smash beer, a state malt and state hop beer, and you guys also did one. Yep,
3: yeah, we did a uh, we did a smash. We uh, the three ingredients were the uh, the Danko Amber Rye, the uh, Pale Two Row Vienna, and uh, Chinook Willamette and Cascade Cascade. Cascade. Yeah. yeah, so uh, we we got all of our malts from Valley Malt, and the hops were. Remember
1: the farms? Uh, two different farms: uh, Peterson Farms and Bluebell. Bluebell. Yeah. And you guys
2: are a farm brewery, so you are not. Uh, uh, this is not foreign to using these local ingredients, right?
1: Right. I mean, we, you know, even prior to being a a farm brewery, we were always, you know, seeking out local ingredients in any way we could. So, I mean, the the honey is one example. And uh, the other beer we brought was our our white stout, which is uh, made with a locally roasted coffee. Obviously, we don't grow coffee in New York State, but uh, we did find a local roaster who uh, was able to, you know, kind of make a blend of a couple of different uh, uh, roasts for us, put that together that uh, we were able to feature that. So. Um, it was something we 'd always done, uh, so with the farm brewery it was uh, easy for us uh, in, in terms of that transition you know I think um, a lot of the other breweries who don you know, 't uh, you know typically use you know uh, local ingredients were uh, you know finding out some of the challenges we face in doing so and, and um, I, I know you guys did one. and uh, a lot of the other breweries uh, that was their first taste of right. uh, of local ingredients and and some of the challenges they can bring so yeah,
0: because I think one what well, I- Chris and I, um, at the Craft Brewers Conference, attended a Craft Maltster seminar, um, and they talked a little bit about, you know, cra- how craft malt differs from, you know, kind of this mass malt that most breweries use. Um, and I think it is a little—you have to—as appro- a brewery, I mean, you have to approach it a little bit differently. The ingredients don't necessarily—they're very unique ingredients. Um, and, you know, even if you're getting a, one particular—for instance, a particular variety of hops— if it's grown here, maybe in New York State or in another state, it's not necessarily going to have the same characteristics as the traditional maybe West Coast American hop that we're used to. What do you what do you think, John? Yeah, it,
1: it, yeah, John. Um, the, the The Smash beer was was John's project, um, and you know we we certainly worked together on it. But uh, you know, I, I wanted to give him something you know that he could take and run with, and uh, you know he did a, a lot of the. Uh, recipe creation and, and you know the the brewing and, and everything involved. So um, yeah, so I, I know it wasn't necessarily what he had thought and, and you know I guess what either of us really thought, but uh, I know the hops in particular uh, provided a challenge for us. You want to talk yeah. about that, John? John, yeah, where did you go?
3: What was the beer? Uh, so we we, uh, we did a dry hop double IPA, which for us isn't normal mm-hmm. for yeah. our brewery to do. Uh, so we went that route. Real, we really wanted to make a beer that really just showcased the malts and the hops. Um, it finished a little sweeter than we would have liked. Um, and uh, we, during dry hopping, we weren't really able to pull out a lot of those uh, normal characteristics from the hops that uh, we have been able to do with some other beers. So uh, that was um,
0: for those varieties in particular, maybe right? Like what uh, we yeah, yeah yeah yeah. But I thought it was a damn. I mean, a, a damn good beer. Like I tried it at Brewer's Thank Choice. You. Thank you. So
3: yeah, we uh, it it, it just it wasn't what we. Uh, what i I had anticipated for it and uh i I definitely think that has to do with uh just the uh consistency with brewing with different um ingredients and uh from different sources Mm -hmm. absolutely and and
1: something is common i mean everybody you know to your basic home brewer even 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 just your your beer drinker kind of knows what to expect from a cascade hop and and i think you know something as basic as that proved to be a big challenge for us uh and, and i i think uh you know that just kind of highlights the the challenges of, of working with uh, local ingredients. I I for one am really confident we're going to get there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and and you know all of the you know there's there's additional acreages uh, being you know farmed every year both for for malts and hops or grains obviously right. you know, malts are grown but um, you know so I'm looking forward to you know seeing that. Uh, you know, aspect of agriculture really kind of growing, expanding yeah. in New York State. in the next It's important of
2: years. for all of us to keep supporting it and doing it and using it, so that they can get the, the capabilities to you know accurately get the lab tests done for the alpha acids and also for the extract efficiency of of the malt. I mean, and that one of the challenges of these new startup businesses is not having that funding to get those together. Exactly, so it's know, kind of a catch twenty two for us. We got to keep brewing all that with data so that you're used to having. It. You don't have <laughs> right. Yeah. It's
1: uh, you're, you're you're you know kind of flying blind in a lot of the uh, cases. I
2: just, I just Sorry, which is part of the impetus for, for uh, Andrea starting that craft maltster mm-hmm. uh, 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 guild uh, yep. to help them get there.
0: And part. I also think that it's a matter of, like, I think some of these hop varieties, we're going to see, I, I mean, for instance, we we dry hopped our Grisette with the Cascade. And, you know, again, it wasn't, it didn't typically, it wasn't the typical Cascade that we're used to from, from Oregon or Washington or Idaho. Um but it was lovely, and it worked really well with you know we used a saison yeast. But it was much more you know kind of floral, and it was lovely. But I think that you know we have to adjust our expectations as far as as you know aroma and, and flavor characteristics. And I think a little more you know some experimentation it's it's great. And the other thing, though, I think the other key component of this is that we need more public awareness of of how how, what what a privilege it is to drink a beer that somebody has made with locally grown ingredients I mean the New York State started this farm brewing license with the expectation that you know the brewers that have the farm license will use more local ingredients New York State grown ingredients and that we would have therefore more hop and and malt or grain farms you know
1: just because it doesn't taste like what the ingredients right. taste like, you know, from uh, from the West Coast or, or uh, whatever, doesn't mean they're not good. No, it's just, right? It's, no, they're, they're they're very good, and there is a, uh, you know a definite uh, terroir mm-hmm. associated with uh, you know the, not, not only the grains, the hops, you know, all of it. And uh, that was the the session you were talking about at CVC last year was. Probably the coolest session ever, yeah, absolutely. and and something you can only do at CBC. <laughs> uh, I think there were eight different uh, pale ales that were just made with different uh, you know regions. Uh, you
0: know, a single craft malt, yeah, si- with, you know, with one malt. Yeah. yeah,
1: and it was it was really a cool way to just sit down and, and taste what each region tastes like. And yeah, uh, you know, anybody else would be probably would be bored by that, but I thought it was really cool.
0: No, I I totally agree, and I think. Yeah, I think that we will see more of an appreciation for terroir in in beer. It's just not something, you know, I think that the public has to be developed. Like, again, you know, the ingredients also typically cost a little bit more at this point anyway. But I think, you know, as the public becomes more aware of this and more appreciative, that people will. I mean, it was a really special thing to be at Brewer's Choice and to be able to go around and taste, you know, each of these breweries. I mean, how many beers? We had at least eight beers 10 beers there, that were there that were made with with some degree of local, of New York State grown ingredients which were, was an absolutely, I mean it, it was amazing.
2: Yeah, there were double that, uh, but there were only I think around 8 or 9 that were part of the uh, the, the our own smash, the smash from, yeah. the, from the New York State Yeah, Brewer yeah.
0: Stuff. But, but yeah. even outside of that, you know, just to get, you know, to be able to drink those. Yeah, yeah
3: so that, that was our first 100% state malt and hot beer, but uh Right now, every every beer that we're brewing is 20% malt, 20% hop, and uh, what what what's the next jump from here after 20%? So
1: yeah, so the the New York State uh, Farm Bureau react, you know, right now only requires 20%, and and you know it's it's not that we don't want to use more, it's just the the production isn't there, uh, but uh, and also the, the demand, uh, so. Uh, 2018, I believe it jumps to uh, 65%. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 2023, I think it goes, goes up to 90 And, you know, there are certainly skeptics out there who don't think we'll get there. And uh, I, I, for one, you know, think we'll either be there or the law will be adjusted to, you know, account for whatever this Because, right. the, the, you know, for all of the advance, uh, advancements that have made in support of New York State Farming, Um, I I don't see our our legislature leaving them out to dry. No, definitely not. Them or or the brewers. So I I have confidence in
3: it. Yeah. And and the personal connection connection that we're able to build with our our sources right now is great. We just had one of our hop farmers uh, came down to the brewery two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and uh, sat down, hung out with us, and tried a couple of the beers that we've made with his hop. And it it was really cool. That's fantastic.
0: And I think the the flip side of that, of what we're talking about, is that that like, you're talking about that personal connection in that, you know, you could maybe have malt grains that are custom malted for you to your specifications. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, as more. I know we're we're having some maltsters are starting up in New York State particularly. So I think, though, that there's, you know, there's a huge fu- future for these locally made ingredients. Yeah,
1: you know, I... I, I, I... I love what you're saying. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think it's a little further off than yeah, that. that right. than maybe hey, you know, we I would like future, to think. I said future. I said future. You did say future. So yeah, let's get everybody up to speed. Get get yeah. more acreage uh, planted out yeah. there, yeah. and and then we'll start to really dial yeah, it yeah, in.
0: Definitely and, and.
2: definitely. and also, I mean, raising the awareness of, to the consumer and making them excited about it. So another issue right now is that the you know the cost of this this local ingredient is not. Uh, uh, it's not cost prohibitive but it's it's, it's more than than your than so yeah bit.
1: if i could just plug local brewers you know, or farmers who are brewing uh with local ingredients the the grains often are twice as much as uh the regular grain mm-hmm. order the hops uh, often run about three times as much so it, it's if you see somebody brewing with those local ingredients uh you know support them because yeah. they're they're making a sacrifice to do it and, yeah. and often those beers aren't uh, sold at twice or three times the cost right. you know, we, we, we try to sell them to people in at a reasonable cost, but uh, you know that there is a much more significant cost involved with brewing locally
0: yeah know that you you 're supporting local farmers that 's an amazing thing these days, so local usually small farmers so let 's talk about this white coffee stout that you just poured
1: so it 's not a stout at all. Uh, we first did this beer a year ago, and everybody freaked out because <laughs> uh, you know it 's uh, very golden in color but uh, it's. Uh, I'm gonna check everybody's math skills here. It's about 50 percent uh, wheat, 50 percent pilsner, <laughs> and about 20 percent oats. Uh, none of that actually makes sense. But uh, so the yeah, so it's a lot of a lot of wheat, a lot of pilsner. We had a little bit of oats uh, to give it a full mouthfeel like a stout, mm-hmm. um, and then you know all of the traditional roasty notes that would come from the roasted malts all come from this uh locally roasted coffee so it, it uh, doesn't look at all like it tastes and uh this this beer uh, is one of the two beers we poured at uh, opening bash this week and kind of uh stole the show where people are coming you have a white stout we want to try yeah. that so
2: it's awesome it's it's a really really cool and really fun beer uh how did you do the
1: coffee in this so we uh you know the other thing you know we wanted to keep it as light in color as we could so we didn't actually add coffee we actually ground the coffee put it into a you know a muslin or a mesh bag and uh dropped it in after fermentation left it there for only a few hours and we'd, yeah. we'd, we'd keep trying it as soon as it was done we pulled the coffee back out because we don't want any of the color coming into it so it's uh is it really kind of light uh, golden in color but uh you know really you know roasty and, and rich and, and full in the mouth when did you brew it uh
2: uh well, yeah when did you uh, when did you do the coffee thing
1: when, oh, when so we've uh, we've done a f- I think three different batches of this okay. so uh, I mentioned earlier how on the old system we did all one offs uh, with a tap room we can't do all one offs uh, because it turns out some people like to have the same beer more than once right uh, but uh, so we're now changing our uh, beers seasonally so every three months or so we're gonna intru- uh, introduce new beers but um, yeah so this one was one of our first beers we introduced and uh, it's uh, now on tap at a number of, uh, number of bars throughout uh, three of the boroughs anyway but uh yeah so
2: my my question was uh mainly directed to i did the exact same method once and uh you know i had the beer i had one keg of it left over about eight months after after doing it i was saving it for for something for an event and by the time eight months after it kind of was it was pretty pretty wild and crazy and it might have been a different issue but i did not sanitize my my uh my coffee beans. I didn't dip them in anything. I just did it. Just went straight in because there was already coffee in there. I figured it would be fine. So did we?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I, I can't relate because it, it didn't stay as long. So, right. So maybe I'm just
2: asking a stability but, question. That's but like yeah, but I do to. know
1: um, we just put a new batch on tap at the uh, in our tap room two Fridays ago. Yeah. That tasted significantly better than the other one i guess yes. i didn't i didn't notice i just felt like it was maybe because it was a fresher coffee and uh yeah. i guess if there's a downside to having the, the the serving tanks that we do is you know that we're not changing a, a keg every you as, know, as every, fast, you know every 15 gallons it's uh you know every 155 so the uh, last couple pours are there aren't going to be the same as the first couple yeah. well this is an
2: awesome beer yeah I'm really inspired by this i love beer. this beer Absolutely. thank yes. you yes.
0: Yeah. so what are you guys looking for brewing for your next season Spring is gonna eventually come in New York City.
3: Yeah, so we we uh, we just started. We just brewed the first two of the spring beers. We have a jalapeno rye coming out, and a peanut butter chocolate milk stout.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, the the jalapenos uh, we had, uh, you know, John and uh, I think three of our interns uh, all gloved up and uh, cut up. A, <laughs> we, fig- we we estimated around eight hundred jalapenos. were oh uh, you know yeah. halved yeah. Was, and uh, de-seeded, and uh, yes, yeah, and, and you know. And I didn't wear. I typically wear contacts. I didn't even mess with those for the about the whole week, just in case there was anything residual hanging yeah. around, because I don't want to burn my eyeballs out. But yeah. um, by taking the seeds out, so they're all fresh jalapenos, so you you, you know, were expecting a, a nice full you know, jalapeno aroma, uh, without a lot of the uh, the spice. It's it's going to be spicy, but it's not going to be uh, you know overpowering.
0: Yeah, it's not going to be a killer spice. Okay.
3: So tell us about uh, uh, The of Abides before we get out of here. Uh, the of Abides was just uh, started off as a Twitter handle, as a little nod to the greatest movie ever created. <laughs> that Mary still hasn't seen, shamefully. Uh, uh, I only saw
1: for the first time really? <laughs> like a couple oh, months God. ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, yeah,
3: I actually uh, I think we're going to played on the tv this week on friday night at the brewery so
1: yeah we're looking at uh, big lebowski nights all the uh, little lebowski legionnaires out so there called uh, the
3: the, the, achievers. <laughs> the achievers the achievers <laughs> there you go. so uh but no it started off as that and then i just kind of another way to just immerse myself and in, in the world of beer i just wanted to write about it drink it brew it whatever i just started to blog made a website and just kind of picked off with that and uh shame to say i haven't really kept up with it as well as I could. I, at first, I just wanted to keep plugging local breweries. That's good, because it means you're working out. hard. At yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Clean, clean, clean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so tell us about the tap room. When are you guys open?
3: Our tap room
1: is currently open three days a week. So we're open uh, Friday nights, 5 to 9, uh, Saturdays noon to 8, and Sundays noon to 6. Uh, although, as soon as this weather breaks, if and when this weather breaks, I'd like to add Thursdays so we can get uh, another day, and, and, and once people are more willing to go out and venture out into the uh, they're not going into the cold anymore So I want to
2: commend the support of, uh, of the other Long Island City breweries like you guys designed it a little we'd be
1: remiss not to say something right yeah. so the, this for beer week we actually uh, partnered with uh, Rockaway Brewing Company and Transmitter Brewing who are also in Long Island City to kind of make Long Island City a, a beer destination we have three breweries we're all one you know, we're one stop from Manhattan on like seven different uh, lines and uh, we did a brewery tour uh, Passport this uh, last two weeks, if you visited all three, we'd give you a stamp, and uh, we're uh, giving away a bunch of prizes: t-shirts, uh, glassware, uh, uh, some growlers, some different stuff. Uh, you know, so it was you know kind of a great way for people to come out and experience a bunch of different beers. So you go to three breweries; so uh, they're all just walking distance from one another, and, and it was uh, you know a great event uh, you know for for all three of us.
0: Yeah, Long Island and- City is definitely. I mean, that's the number one brewery destination right now. That's the. The mo the densest brewing brewery area in New York City neighborhood in New York City. Yep. How many beers do you typically have on tap right so, at, any, at any time? So
1: we have six, but you know our our, our tap rooms only been open since November. Um, so as we transition over to these new beers, we'll we'll have some stragglers I expect, so we can uh, introduce uh, or, or you know I still have a few of those, and then we actually because we're a farm brewery, we can serve other farm breweries beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was some of the other uh, connections I was able to make during beer week this week was with uh, other farm breweries uh, from uh, both from long island and and upstate that uh, we have guest taps i 'm kind of putting some of them on tap so it'll be uh, our regular six beers uh, you know whatever is hanging out from the last season and uh, hopefully some other farm breweries uh, so some of those beers we 're talking about where people are brewing with local ingredients uh, it, Our tap room gives the opportunity to try not only our beers but some of theirs too
0: awesome. And if people want to find out more about Big Alice Brewery, where do they go?
1: Well, I would normally tell you to go to our website. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little, it uh, need a little bit of work. But uh, we do most of our communications through uh, social media. So uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you know, anything new and exciting, we, you know, try to stay pretty on top What's of What's your handle? At Big Alice Brewing. Big Alice Brewing.
0: Now, I've heard this Rupert Cup has been having some adventures.
1: Yeah, so uh, so Rupert's <laughs> Cup uh, was presented to us yesterday afternoon. Uh, and uh, made its way to Queens uh, by late afternoon, and uh, by the end of the evening, it had its own uh, Twitter handle. So it is <laughs> at Rupert's Cup, and uh, he, you know, was lucky enough to have uh, Brewdebides, aka John, uh, read it. <laughs> Good night, brew, last night, <laughs> to,
3: uh, to conclude its and, first night in Queens. And uh, also, uh, thank you to everyone who voted. Uh, yeah, how many
2: mouths did you did your votes alone so, feed? Yeah, so hard. all the
3: votes for Big Al's were able to. Uh, Contribute $875 and provide 3,500 meals for That's state. Awesome.
1: 3,500 meals. Your votes. And provided. and the other thing, you know, I, I want to talk Queens here a little bit. The the second and third place breweries were uh, Bridge and Tunnel and Transmitter, yeah. and um, you know also uh, you know say Queens breweries. And you know I, I think uh, you know. It's kind of a shame that it wasn't promoted more heavily because I think we could have collectively, as uh, Ruiz, raised, raised a lot more money for City Harvest. But I'm I'm really proud of of those three, you know, yeah, uh, in particular. I, I think we really we really kind of pushed it. Absolutely, absolutely. A-
0: I feel a heavy competition coming next year. Okay. Yeah,
1: if, I, this, I, I hope so. <laughs> if that's what this creates, yeah. that's, that's yeah. perfect. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we, we had a big push and it was just in our tap room. We were so busy because, in part, because of the passport, that people were waiting to get beers, and, and so rather than letting them sit around getting frustrated, I was just walking around our tap room, thinking people were coming out and asking them while they were waiting if they didn't mind going on and, and voting and uh, making some contributions to uh, City Harvest. So. Um, I don't know if that means we stole the cup or not, but uh, I- even if we didn't win, it was it was great to see. I think total was somewhere around two thousand dollars was raised for city. Yeah, twenty five
2: hundred dollars somewhere in okay, that area. Yeah. But now when you're when people are waiting in line at your tap room, you can actually just fill a pitcher. You can fill the Rupert's cup and go to the line and give everybody samples. Of we one we,
1: <laughs> we did we did drink out of Rupert's cup <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I, I think we're gonna set it out and uh, maybe you know have it as a open contribution for people to make uh, to city harvest. Oh, and, uh, that makes sense. You know, sense. Yeah. so you know take your picture with the cup tonight we got planned we got all, <laughs> all kinds of big events uh, so so you know, follow uh, follow Rupert's Cup on uh, Twitter he'll he'll right. let you know what's going on
2: well Kyle John thank you so much for joining us on From Men About It thank you and uh, we'll see you thanks next for time having us
1: Cheers For Men About It